Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. As we celebrate Easter Sunday today, Hans-Georg Hopprich will help us focus on some of God's glorious gifts. We will see how Jesus' resurrection and therefore victory over sin does give us life. And as we receive new life in and through Jesus, we also have a hope that is not only for now, but reaching into all eternity. How can we enjoy these gifts and how does our life and perspective change when we receive Jesus as our Savior? Join us now for this sermon and Happy Easter! He has risen! We were in a Baptist church just recently, a small Baptist church uh, in uh, Wiener Neustadt, and we had maybe about 25, 30 people there, and um, you wouldn't believe it, but about 15 different languages were present. It's amazing. So we really feel at home with you folks here. This is a privilege because I'm reminded to a Romanian spirit. You know, you were talking about it. Um, I wasn't brought up in uh, Romania, but my parents grew up in Romania for many, many centuries. They were there for a thousand years. You wouldn't believe it. That was a first turn to go to Romania to establish the, not Romania then, uh, of course it belonged to, what, uh, to Austria and um, other countries, um, but they needed to establish the country because all these uh, fierce tribes from Russia came and they just overtobbled everything. And so um, they were asked to come. And uh, actually my parents, they came from what, was n- what is now called uh, Luxembourg. It's so interesting. And years ago, we, I went to Luxembourg. They asked us to do some ministry there. And we realized, I didn't know that, but when I saw, you know, what was written on some of these uh, stores, I could hardly believe it because I could understand and speak Lützeburgisch, that's uh, the kind of, I mean, they, we as Germans, I'm from Germany, we wouldn't call it a, a language, but because of respect, of sheer respect, I said to them, you're speaking a language that I also know. So they were quite surprised because that was the kind of language my parents were still talking about a thousand years after they went into into Romania. Would you believe that? So they kept their culture. They kept their identity very firm outside of the country they came from. So I understood Lützeburgisch, which is spoken uh, in Luxembourg. So it's exciting to know that we belong to these people of God. It warms my heart. It's such a, a privilege. And we know that Things were destroyed at Babylon. People were together till then. They could communicate with each other. But then, because of they wanted to become bigger than God, you know, Babylon just destroyed. And um, But we know also, and this is the very hope 
that we have because of Christ being raised from dead. He was dead as dead you can be. We, we need to, to be reminded to that. There was a dead body. But then, and that's the exciting thing, God raised him from dead. And he is alive. He's with us this afternoon, and he will be with us till we meet him face to face. I'm looking forward to that. Maybe, heaven, we will speak Romanian. I don't know. Um, or Croatian, or Serbian, or I don't know, all sorts of languages. Certainly, there will be no effort to learn a language we will understand. Now, this afternoon, uh, since we um, are together to celebrate the risen Lord, I thought it, it would be great uh, to talk about these glorious gifts God gave us because he was raised from dead. And um, so I gave it a, a headline, God's glorious gifts. It's in plural. It's more. And it can be extended, but we don't have the time to extend it. So it's only three of them. And I guess these three gifts he, he gave to us are so important. They are very important because, and that is the great of the good news, the gospel. They can be shared with any people from any tribe and language. It's enough. Never short. It's enough for everybody. This is the kind of gospel, the good news that is shared. Well, Margaret just um, spoke in Pidgin. This is the language, the general language spoken. And Pidgin is actually a trade language because imagine with kind of 8 million people that live here in Austria, we have also 8 million people living in Papua New Guinea, but they speak about, it's not known, but they, you know, counted them, and they came up with a figure of 750 different languages. It's amazing. And we excite, uh, and we are excited about the fact that people learn these languages and make an effort to learn these languages, Bible are translated, um, and, and people, uh, they go into tribes that are very fierce. In fact, I think I may have told you, while we were there, the very first year we were, I wasn't there for not even a year. We knew that in the back of the place of New Britain Island where we ministered, there were tribes that have never heard first time the name of the Lord Jesus. So it moved my heart. 
What can you do? Since the gospel is for every tribe and people, let's go there. And the very first time, it nearly wiped out my life. Because they tried to kill me on three occasions. But because they couldn't, the Lord was with me and with the group of people. Well, the Lord spared my life. And after five years, I didn't know of this. So after five years, they came up with a story, and I was in a state of shock, really, because we, we, we hardly arrived of the place of destiny then, and Margaret, my wife, my wife's name is Margaret, she would have been a widow. Imagine. But God is, how do the Africans say, God is good all the time. He has no limitations. This is our God. And you could get on with the qualities of the God we believe in. I'm excited about it. God's glorious gifts. One of the ministry we did in Austria, because we are here in, in the beautiful country of all. We like it to be here. It's a beautiful place. And um, so we got kind of surprised to do a, a certain kind of ministry that we would have never expected to do, we were asked to bury non-church people. So um, an undertaker came at some stage. We were in, we're living in Eisenstadt, which is about 60 kilometers south from here. The undertaker, an undertaker called me in the morning, uh, in the morning, I was still in my pajama, didn't know what's happening. I didn't hardly know that Austrians uh, get up very early. I wasn't ready, certainly. Um, and he, he uh, asked me, um, you know, he just, I, I couldn't believe what he was talking about. He was talking about somebody who died and, and whether I'm willing to, to bury this, this person. And I said, my mom or my dad died? You know, I was confused. Because, you know, you, I mean, you never expect an undertaker early in the morning to call you, you know, with, a, with this kind of message. But make a long story short, ever since we've probably buried about four or five hundred people all around uh, Eisenstadt, into Vienna and many other places and one of the blessings uh, of a funeral is to get to hear more about a person that you ever knew. Because they are all, I'm not a, a pastor of a, of a congregation where you kind of know the people that listen to you in, in, during a sermon, but they were all strange people. Unknown to me, they came from all places around um, Eisenstadt where we live, and I have never seen them. So we nearly we had to relate to the to those to the relatives to to get to know who the person is. So one of the privileges is because after the funerals. Uh, many times some of the friends of the deceased came and they were kind of puzzled. Uh, uh, please tell me where did you get these 
stories about the, the one uh, that, that you just buried. So one of the blessings is really to get to know people, to get to know their stories. And I could get on with all sorts of stories. Uh, people told us, some of them were uh, rather funny, some of them were rather sad. And, you know, the kind of sadness sometimes overturned and spin my head around because, you know, we were many a times we were asking ourselves, you know, why is it that they may have never heard something of the love of Christ? Because they were, they're non-Christians. Because many people ask me, you know, what do you tell? What do you say? Many ask me, you know, what do you say at a funeral where the deceased is probably not a Christian? Now, I, I'm not the judge. And I'm, you know, that's something we need to digest. We are not the judges. We leave that to the Lord Jesus. He is a righteous judge, isn't he? He doesn't care about um, a PhD degree or a master's degree, master of science degree. He looks further. He looks right to the heart of people. Therefore, we are ever grateful for when we when we do that burying people we are grateful for the families we are with um, for their stories we usually feel like we we know the person better now in a special perspective particularly from a christian point of view i'm going to talk about a passage of scripture that describes what happens after we die it provides great encouragement great encouragement for those of us who know the lord jesus christ as lord and savior This is why the first glorious gift that our Creator, the one who created life, who has got all the, um, I don't know, 8 billion DNAs in his hands of humankind. So the first glorious gift to us is life, isn't it? It's life. Christians believe that God created human beings with a body and a soul. The body is what people can see outwardly. It comes in many <laughs> different shapes, in sizes, in different colors and, and skin, eye color. It's a beauty. It's great. You know, the variety. We actually got quite a few Austrians. We prepared them to go to the mission field. Now, usually there is, there is a kind of, um, you know, the unknown uh, is at hand. Well, the place we go, we don't know. 
And sometimes it was Africa, sometimes it was South America, sometimes uh, they went elsewhere. So they needed to get ready, you know, to a change of mind. So usually, and you can laugh about me, I told them God created only yellow tulips. Is that right? Well, I had gray, a gray beard and they were young, so they looked at me and... You know, uh, they were quite intimidated. Can they tell me that they are red ones or uh, black ones um, or I don't know what kind of color? Yes, there is a beauty in colors. It's like a rainbow. This is our God. He, had, he has not created just one color of one kind. By the way, being in Papua New Guinea... Uh, the national bird in Papua New Guinea, really something very special, is the bird of paradise. And they are a beauty of birds, a beauty. A very special breed. Some of them are very small. Some of them, they have a meter-long tail, and they do not get entangled. Can you imagine? Well, that's a miracle in itself. They get not entangled uh, in, in the branches of the trees flying over. That's a, and we have about uh, 45 different kinds only of the bird of paradise. Can you imagine? And in Papua New Guinea, you know, to look beyond this, this is even more excited. We have about... Um, 9,000 different kinds of orchids. Different kinds. Can you believe that? It is amazing. God lavishes His beauty. He created life in abundance. It's beyond that we can take. God God's glorious gift is life. And uh, the soul um, in our body, we cannot see. The soul dwells within the body. Our soul is what it make, makes us our personality, our thoughts, our emotions, our choices, our memories. It is everything that is distinct about us now. Our bodies may, may die, but Christians believe that the soul lives on even after death. Death is the separation of the soul from the body. And the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, and you can read that again in Ecclesiastes twelve seven. it says, The dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. That's what, that is what Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says. Therefore, life is a gift from God. When we die and our soul does not just float uh, around like a ghost forever. No, the Bible speaks of something that is infinitely better than that. And in the New Testament, we read in one of the letters the Apostle Paul writes to the a church he cares about. He cares 
deeply about he knew the situation there because he was only three weeks there and then a church started. Isn't that amazing? You know, just going to a place, it was Thessalonica. Three weeks in Thessalonica and the church was established. Isn't that amazing? And he cared about these, these Christians because they asked their, the, a very important question. Have we lost the dead that died in our congregation forever? So, and so Paul writes them about a glorious truth. Those Christians who have died are not gone forever. They still exist. He compares the departed person to someone who is sleeping. One day they are going to wake up and find themselves in a new and awesome reality. So here is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. He says, brothers, and the sisters are included, brothers and sisters. It says here, we do not want you to be uninformed. So here is the truth about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again and we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. We hear that again. And those who know his voice, they're getting excited. All the others, you know, they're getting afraid, you know, because it's so loud. But for us, if we believe in the Lord Jesus, it's a familiar voice. It's the voice of the Good Shepherd, isn't it? We're familiar with it. We know this is the voice of the Good Shepherd that cared for us. He comes from heaven with a loud voice, with a voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left with a, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage. What an encouragement that is. There can be no better joy than this. I mean, my fellow brothers and sisters, I've stood at many graves. Not only that. We've been also in crisis intervention in Eisenstadt. Can you imagine the kind of Situations we were faced with. 
I cannot tell you because you will be in, in a state of shock and we probably need to, needed to do a, a debriefing. It is terrible, terrible to say the least. It is unbelievable the kind of sorrow people go through worrying. As I mentioned, Paul uses sleep as a metaphor or a euphemism for death, and it hints that death is not final for the person who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, please, don't we grieve? Don't we know what grief means? I st always remembered to when we visited Margaret's grandfather, he was very sick in um, the hospital. He was a, a devoted Christian. And we prayed with him because we thought we're not going to see him again. He was at his final stage. So when we moved out, you know, we, I think we both had tears in our eyes knowing that we may not see him again. He was really a character. God's character really formed his life. And then he suddenly called us back. And you know what he said as a Christian? You may not believe it. He said, Margaret and Hans, dying is very hard. It's hard. I don't know how what you believe, We may oftentimes we are overexcited and we don't, you know, take it into account how death may be. And I believe that even I'm, I believe in the Lord Jesus and I rejoice in it. I do grieve as well. Jesus grieved at the death of his friend Lazarus, didn't he? I think we need to associate with that. It's only when we get a glimpse of what death means, we rejoice the more about life eternal. So we need to Understand, Jesus was dead. Lazarus was dead, as dead he can be. And then suddenly, even though uh, Jesus knew that Lazarus will be alive again in just a few minutes, um, and, and he still wept. Tears came down. The early church mourned greatly about when Stephen, the first martyr, one of the beloved leaders at that time, we were talking about the, the, the early church, when he was killed, martyred. So we too grieve at the loss of a loved one, don't we? Nevertheless, as for Christians, we grieve in a way that is 
qualitatively different from a secular person who has no belief in afterlife. For them, death is final. The person just ceases to exist. There is no hope of ever seeing that person again. And that is the difference. Christians have hope that we will see that person again. That tempers our grief and keeps our hearts from despair. That is the difference. So the first thing, the first um, glorious gift is life. Life eternal. And the second gift that God gives is hope. Now, what is this hope all about? Well, the Apostle Paul says that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return to his earth one day. And when he returns, he's going to utter a loud command. Now, he does not tell us what that command actually is. I suspect, and excuse me if I'm wrong, you may have a different idea, and I leave that with you. I'm, we're, not, we're not discussing about that. I suspect that it is going to be something like in what we read in the Gospel of John, John eleven thirty three to 44, then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave that a stone lay against it. That's what we read in John 11. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord... By this time, there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Can you see the grief? Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was, man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice. With a loud voice. And, I mean, John remembers that. The people around remember he was very loud. Jesus called him out. Jesus said these things. He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Sorry. I needed to have a loud voice because in Papua New Guinea, we didn't have an, a PR system or whatever. Lazarus, come out. Come out. What a command. Lazarus. Come out. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to him, Loose him. This said to them, Loose him and let him go. What a miracle! 
What a miracle! This happened in Jesus' time. Yes, this is too going to happen again on that day. With a loud voice, come out! In a moment of time of a startling transformation is going to occur in the body of every Christian whenever they may have been buried lying in the, in the grave. Our DNA is going to be reconstituted and our bodies are going to be completely rejuvenated and healed. What a miracle! Can you imagine this? This can only God can do. And it takes us out from the grief that we may be in. This is the very hope the gospel only can give. There is nothing else than can give that is a source of hope. Breath is going to return. We once made a visit to London years ago. And there was a lady ballet dancer. Beautiful lady. But sorry. She was sitting in a wheelchair. It broke. You know, thinking about it, it really breaks your heart. A lady ballet dancer, pretty known in all over Britain, because she performed ballet in a beautiful way. But something happened. I think she had an accident. I can't remember. And now she was sitting in a wheelchair. But the sheer hope she was talking about, I will never, ever forget. You know what she said? In heaven, there will be a beautiful ballet. And I'm part of that ballet. I will dance. I've never danced before like that in heaven. Is there a stronger ground of hope? I may just ask you. I mean, we will go back afterwards in our houses. Think about it. This is the sheer hope in that we can have. Breath is going to return along, along with consciences and we will be alive again. Our soul will be reunited with our body. Only this time our bodies are no, no longer to be ravaged by sin, diseases and death. Instead, they are going to be glorious bodies. You hear glories again and again because that's infectious. You know, I want to put that into our heart. It's glorious. It's beyond description. We cannot describe. And whenever we, I mean, you've gone through, I, I think I've read that uh, a little bit. I listened to you through uh, Revelation, didn't you? Uh, it's a while ago. So when you think about John, he has written uh, revelation, whenever, I don't know whether you agree with me, uh, Christian, but that's how I read Revelation, because Revelation is the foundation of hope. It was written to people that were persecuted. 
They lost their hope. So they needed to have a, a view into heaven, as it were. But whenever John tried to explain how heaven is, he was lost in words. He could not explain it. You know, he just compared it with precious stones. He was lost in words. There, were no, there are no words to describe that place of heaven. And you see, this is why when we buried these hundreds of people, I often said, you know, people weeping in front of me. And it just kind of, you know, broke my heart in one way. But I always said, we want to warm your heart for heaven. We don't want to see you in hell. Let's warm our heart for heaven. My brothers and sisters, this is infectious for those ha that have no hope. It is the gift of eternity at last. Life, hope, and at last eternity. God's glorious gift, eternity. Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control with transform our lowly bodies to that they will be like his, what? Glorious, glorious. It's not an overstatement because you cannot, well, you may find some other words, but they are all understatement. You know, they cannot pin down the very glory of heaven. And then we are going to live forever in holiness, in the presence of God. We are going to see the Lord Jesus with our own eyes This is what awaits a Christian that who died. That is, a, is what awaits you and me if Jesus Christ is our Lord too. What a comforting thought that is. Now, how is that possible? We, are, we can rise from the dead because the Lord Jesus rose. He was risen. He is risen from dead. You see, each one of us has a problem. We have sinned against God and death is the consequence of that sin. And not only that, but sin actually separates us from God and there is absolutely nothing that we can do on our own to fix that problem. God had to take the initiative We cannot, because religion, in, you know, and I've seen many cultures. We've been in South America. We've been uh, in Asia in many places. Now, recently, we've been in South Africa, uh, in Madagascar. Uh, beautiful place. Don't tell the others. Mauritius. Beautiful place. Yeah. And, and um, Botswana. Beautiful places in Afghanistan a couple of years ago. Everywhere is religion. Religere means to bring back, you know, to human effort 
uh, that takes the initiative, but it's not enough to get in a relationship with God, never been enough. God has to take the initiative, and that was different. This is why they objected so hardly against it. They th because they thought, you know, this is unhuman, you know, it's our, it's us. We need to do something. No, God takes the initiative. He gets active. He takes the initiative to fix it for us. And praise God, he did it. That is why Jesus Christ came to earth 2,000 years ago. He lived a perfect life. He died in our place. He gave his life so that we could be saved from sin and death. He was our substitute. But there is the thing. He did not stay dead. Almighty God resurrecting him from the grave. He also took the initiative to bring life back in his son. Nothing else in history of humankind has been so firmly proved. It's a historical fact. They could not say anything against it. Now, today, they may object. They may go against your belief. Well, in that time, this is what Paul wrote. And they, nobody could object because it was the truth. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, this great chapter about the resurrection of And, and coming back of Christ, he wrote in the uh, verses 3 to 8, For what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That is important to know that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 people. Is there a bigger testimony? You know, if you go to court and three people uh, give a testimony, well, the judge... Says that that seemed to be the truth. But here are 500. 500 people saw the Lord Jesus alive. Most of whom are still living, though some of have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And they testified Christ alive. And this is why they were ready to die for it. You know, all the apostles, except John, I think, they were cut to pieces. Skin was removed, sawn apart. All the apostles, just except John. It's amazing. They all died. An abnormal death. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ ascended to heaven. And he currently sits there at God's right hand awaiting his return. So what does this have to do with us? You know, I'm coming back. You know, it, it's so, it, it, it means for me, it means a lot to put my, this 
part of my body straight into heaven. I want to see Jesus. That gives me hope even when death is there. Yes, the rest of my body is still here, but my head needs to be in heaven. To see clearly, to see what the Lord has in store. So what does it have to do with us? Well, when we put our faith in him, confessing him as Lord and Savior, he forgives us everything that we have ever done wrong. The way to God is now open to us. We really do get indeed a fresh new start. The Bible describes this as being born again. And then when Jesus returns, he's going to count us among his own and we will participate in that glorious resurrection. May I dare to ask you something in finishing? That is an all-important question. And I don't know who will listen afterwards to the time we spent this afternoon together. May I dare to ask an all-important question to you. Do you believe in this good news with all your heart, your mind, and spirit? Do you believe that? I do. I can only speak for myself. And you can only speak for you. This is why we have an extraordinary judge. He judges you and me according to our faith. And it's you that can make a decision. I do want to back it up. I want other people to know this good news as well. That is why, why Margaret and myself have dedicated our lives to. This is why we have spent more than 10 years of our lives in halfway around the world in Papua New Guinea telling people the good news about that the Son of God, that is the Lord Jesus Christ who lived and died for us, he rose again from death and he will return. This is the gospel I too want to stand for. You do? Sure enough, when, we re when you receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, some things change. Your values change. Your priorities change. Your attitudes changes. The choices you make change. It is because the Holy Spirit of God indwells you and begins to transform you. By the inside out, as Galatians 5 tell us, the act of the flesh is talking about people without Christ. So the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, divorce, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, uh, orgies and the like, you've talked about it. I warn you. As I did before, that's what Paul says, the apostle, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things 
There is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desire. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. One of those virtues, and I want to finish now. Uh, one of these virtues of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. I not only... Um, listened to my wife. That's her special subject. We'll have um, a women's uh, weekend um, this month, later in this month in Corinthia. And uh, the topic is, what is the topic? Well, I've listened to that kind of uh, uh, topic many a times to my wife. It is there that the that she defines joy as an emotion of gladness and pleasure or emotional excitement. However, she states also that it is more than that. It is quiet, it, it is quiet happiness which lifts us above our circumstances based on the fact that we are in God Oh, God's all-powerful hands, sure enough, our world is not a happy place. It is an uncertain world of unfulfilled shadows and fear and sorrows. As a Christian, however, joy comes through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This joy is not dependent on circumstances. Christians who filled, who filled with the Holy Spirit can experience a supernatural joy, even as they may grieve at a funeral of a loved one. I suspect that most of us here today already profess the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you do not, if you do not have that relationship with him, would you consider beginning it today? You will always remember Easter 2023. This will be remembered your name will be written in the book of life. What an excitement. Really, you do not have to do any strange ritual. Really, you don't have to give anything to the church. I, I mean, I don't know your rituals here. You simply need to say from, our, from your heart that Jesus is Lord over your life, and you need to believe that he truly did rise from dead. The Bible says that if you do that, you will be saved. And as a token from God, you and I will share eternity with the Lord Jesus and his people from every tribe. And I'm getting excited about that from every people, nation, and language. So if you do not know Christ, I would urge you, I plead with you to receive him today so that you would be together with those that be are believing in the Lord Jesus. This incredible decision to commit your life into the hands of the risen Lord Jesus Christ would produce joy, instant joy. I don't know, Christian. Wow. What a joy it would be 
to see one or two or even more this afternoon or wherever it is listened that people commit their lives into the hands of the risen Lord. I'm getting excited because party will be in heaven. God's glorious gifts. Hope you could follow. It's life, it's hope, and it's eternity. May this really catch our heart and mind and spirit again and again to remember Easter 2023 as a time where you were, you, you've been reminded to life, hope, and eternity. The Lord bless you abundantly. As you remember this, it is important to remember it. And those that may want to receive Christ, here is Christian and there are others that may want to help you to gain a new perspective of who that risen Lord is. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we bow before you because you are the Almighty One. We thank you, God, that your son, Jesus, he lived a righteous life. He should have never died, but you took him in our place and he was put on the cross. He died on the cross. He was put in the grave and he was raised again in the th third day. We thank you for this glorious gospel that you reminded us this afternoon of life eternal, of hope that is beyond what we can see here in our death-ridden bodies. And you reminded us to glorious eternity. Help us to keep that in our hearts and minds so that we follow in your footsteps till you come back or we go and be with you forever. Thank you for this afternoon, for this special time. Bless us together so that we, that we glorify your, na your name with all we have, with body, mind, and spirit, that the name of Jesus is glorified forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.